I play fast and loose, man. That's true. You do mm. play pretty fast and loose. You really should stop going to those. To those? Those fast and furious races. <laughs> You're going to get hurt. <laughs> no, it's the only way I can feel alive. Boy, it's the Doom to Fail podcast. My name's Tim Dobbs, and I'm here to talk to you about luggage. How are you happy with your luggage? Wait, wait, that's the other podcast. Hang on, hang on. My name's Tim Dobbs, and with me, as ever, through the magic of the internet, is brake and transmission specialist, Catherine Cogart. What transmission specialist? Brakes, you do brakes. Okay. I'm not going to be very good at it if I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. No one knows what they're doing. That's the secret of the world. Oh, well. It's good yeah. to be here. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. It's good to have you here. Uh, now, what you just heard, listeners, was a little clip of a really great song. It's called How Do You Know? And it's by Blamos. And we think they're just great, don't we? Thumbs up. All two. I'm glad that you did the visual thumbs up and the audio thumbs up. Now... As regular listeners of this show know, we have a number of different series covering a number of different topics, and we sort of wade through those series like a duck through water, and just uh, see if we can get to the other side. And when we do, well, we'll just see what's there for us. And the series this time is Toy Inventors. Each seven in a kind of zen poor. I don't have a dollar, but a cent short. I'm saving up for the fun that's in store. It's all thanks to Toy Inventors. What is the specific uh, toy inventor we'll be talking about this week? Gary Gygax, who was the writer and game designer, who uh, looks a lot like George R.R. R. Martin. So uh, is that a... Uh... Is that like a touchstone now? Does everyone know what George R.R. R. Martin looks like? Or do we need to say that George R.R. Martin sort of looks like Santa Claus? Do Yeah. <laughs> I think he kind of does. He looks like Santa Claus, and they're, they're sort of like in this genre of kindly bearded men. Yeah. Anyway, Gary Gygax died uh, fairly recently, so I imagine much of our listenership is at least a little familiar because he was in the news a lot. And uh, if you aren't familiar with him, he's widely considered the father of Dungeons & Dragons. Or... D&D. <laughs> For people in the know. Now, this is maybe not really a toy, so maybe we're just cheating a little bit, but um, it's kind of a toy. Come on. It's fun. I mean, we're really cheating here because it doesn't have a ton to do with engineering, but I mean... Except it kind of does, right? It's all about systems of rules, you know? And engineering uses more complex systems of rules to get things done instead of slightly less complex to have fun, but hey... My, uh, one of my professors t said that engineering is just designing within parameters, and I guess, yeah, that's what Dungeons & Dragons is. Yeah, there you go. It's a, uh, it's, engin <laughs> engineering is essentially like going on mystical quests. All right, so Dungeons & Dragons, uh, you know me, I don't know anything. W what the heck is that? That sounds like a crazy thing about hobbits. Well, let's, uh, ask a Dungeons & Dragons enthusiast. My name is David Bergsman. And I'm a senior at the University of Washington. I'm studying chemical engineering. I like playing soccer and uh, um, singing. 
playing video games, and occasionally I play D&D. David defines D&D as a way of playing an oral game, an RPG played using words and books as a source of material instead of a classic border cards. It's also a game that evolves orally. It's pretty cool, yeah. It's like uh, the game has a little more flexibility because it's, much of it is removed from physical objects that are sitting in front yeah. of you. Here's a different take from a, a new person. She'll tell you all about it. I'm Julie Mendel, and my D&D character is Trixie Trixie, a former whore turned honest innkeeper who is trying to hide her sordid past. So you've never played D&D before? I played once. It was mostly character building. Mm -hmm. um, and I, to be honest, I can't see how the game could get any more fun than that, but I also haven't really played it yet. <laughs> So I guess I should keep an open mind. But my character's name is Trixie Trixie, so I don't really know how things could get better. Okay, so this Julie character, I don't trust her. But you vouch for her, and so I, I'd like to hear what she has to say. I'm, I'm willing to give her a shot. Okay. And, uh, and so she has some other thoughts about what D&D is, if I've been informed correctly? Yeah. I mean, more than just um, an oral game or like an RPG, which is a role-playing game played using words instead of a mouse and a computer, um, she sees D&D as more of a concept, sort of an immersive world where everything is possible. World of Warcraft? Mm -hmm. Is that a thing? No, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. I kind of conflate those two things in my mind, although I realize they're different and they're played differently. But as, as a person who's never really been into games because I was too busy, like, listening to music in high school. Um, but that, to me, is one giant subculture of people who spend a lot of energy, like, being in this, like, totally imaginary world, which I think is awesome. I just, like, I've never done it before. And, I mean, I spend a lot of time in my own imaginary world, like, in other ways, like, I read a lot, so I think I already am a person inclined to be open to that, and I wanted to give it a shot. It's like The Matrix, except you don't actually get plugged in. Exactly. That's pretty good. It's a good metaphor. No, terrible. Whatever. Faces. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I, I buy this. Now, what I'd really like to hear from is from a Solus Corporation. <laughs> well, Wizards of the Coast owns D&D. &D. And by the way, Wizard of, Wizards of the Coast is owned by Hasbro, so we're going to the top hmm. of Solus Corporations. Um, and they define D&D as the game that defines the genre and has set the standard for fantasy role-playing for more than 30 years. Okay, that, that sounds like it says nothing, I'll be <laughs> honest with you. It actually says more than you'd think. Um, okay. So D&D &D has had a huge implication on how game mechanics work just, like, since, like, because this is kind of where the beginning of fantasy genres, right? Yeah, as a I game, can buy that. Right? As, as a game, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so when you get to board games, when you get to card games, when you get to computer games, you see a lot of the game mechanics are taken straight from Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess... this. I mean, D&D &D was invented before computers, huh? Mm -hmm. Or at least before personal computers. And it was really popular when game developers were growing up. Just saying. Hmm. Intriguing. Okay, well, I, I get that. They definitely have an impact. 
So now we've got three three answers. We've got our, our David Bergsmans, mm-hmm. our, our 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 Julie Mendels, mm-hmm. and our Wizards of the Coasts. Coasts <laughs> of the Coasts. By coastal, at least. <laughs> and these seem like not entirely disparate answers, but can we can we put them together to sort of uh, get get a, a better picture of all this? What, how do these pieces fit? Um. Hmm. So maybe D and D is an oral role-playing game played using words instead of classic boards or cards in order to immerse the player into Mm -hmm. a world of infinite possibilities that has changed the fantasy paradigm for more than 30 years. Actually, I think that about nails it. uh, We've we've summed it up, and we should clearly stop podcasting now. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Okay. Wait, wait, wait! We've got this paradigm-shifting oral storytelling without cards and games immersive world game. What the heck? Who came up with that? I know, right? It's kind of it's kind of out Ugh. there. Nerds. <laughs> well, our boy Gary Gygax was. Oh, that's right. I forgot we were doing toy inventors. We were. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> all right. Who's he? We have we have managed to not talk about him at all, other than say his funny name. <laughs> is Ernest Gary Gygax. He grew up in Wisconsin in the 40s and 50s, and he loved games from just the day he was born. So he started with Pinochle, moved to chess, and eventually ended up inventing a game at age 11. I mean, in fact, it was the first live-action role-playing game, and it naturally came out of his love of literature, specifically Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I, I, well, first off, a quick side note on Pinochle which is a game my grandma used to play. So I'm impressed that he played it at like five when <laughs> my understanding is that it is a game for 85-year-olds. Um, but maybe it's one of those eight to 80 things, like they say on the, on the board games. Poor 81-year-olds. I mean, we're already seeing the very beginnings of Dungeons & Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. He just loves games and he loves literature and stories. And, and sort of because he likes pulp fiction, he's like sort of genre fiction. He likes frameworks as well. So we, we see all this already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I like that he just followed his, sort of followed his bliss there. Right. Absolutely. My question, though, is, I mean, so I think of this sort of person because I, I, I'm i a cold person who refuses to feel compassion for anyone else. Um, I think of this sort of person, I, I feel like this is sort of a genre of person, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who's really into games. And when, when, I heard, when I heard about all the games he invented and stuff, I thought immediately of Will Shorts, who is, edits the... Uh, New York Times crossword puzzle mm-hmm. and got a degree in crypt no not cryptology. He basically got a degree in games. He made up his own major and it was a degree in games. Sure. And so I th- I think this is sort of a person th- this sort of person clearly exists. Mm-hmm. 
a, a large bearded person who's in the game. <laughs> um, so what? I mean, this was in the 1950s. We had, oh, I mean, what four billion years before that or something? How old's the Earth? I don't know. It's a wait. Debated. <laughs> Let's not get into it. What I meant. The point is. <laughs> The point is there are a lot of people who could have clearly invented this ahead of time. I mean, what 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 do you think are the chances that no one else had come up with, like, let's run around and give ourselves hit points and stuff yeah. ahead of time? Yeah, I mean, I suspect it's um, part of the mythology surrounding, surrounding Gygax, you know? I hit you, you know. I mean, he was the first one to do something with it. Yeah, to make a bunch of money off of it, at least. <laughs> And be famous. <laughs> so he's invented, supposedly invented, live-action role-playing games. Um, but he started participating in these play-by-mail diplomacy games later in life. So that's like a... You pretend to be the UN council, but you do it all by mail? You know, I'm not sure about like the rules of the game, but it's definitely like you make a move by mail, and then they mail you their move back. Like, there was a chess-by-mail <laughs> game. Oh, sure. Um... But yeah, so that was really good. I like that idea. It's very romantic. <laughs> um, then he starts to move into uh, War Games, which is like a miniature game, which is kind of like Warhammer. So essentially you buy a bunch of miniatures, and then you build an army with your miniatures, and you pit them against your friend's army. For, for super clarity, these miniatures are miniature figurines, right? Yeah. Miniature little soldiers and tanks and things like yeah. that. It, it all looks sort of like uh, a scene from an old movie about World War II where there's a bunch of, um, you know, there's Europe on the map and then they put little soldiers and the guy moves it with sticks around. Yes. Right? I think that's the general idea. Yeah, it's a lot like that. Um, except in Warhammer, which is separate from War Games, which is what Gygax played, Warhammer being the modern version, it's more like space orcs or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say space orcs? I'm fairly certain there's God, some games space are great, orcs. There's some space orcs. Yeah. <laughs> there may be some space orcs. You know what happens. <laughs> so so we get it. He he played a lot of games. Great. But here's the turn. He actually did something with it, right? Yeah. Um, eventually, he starts his own war games local chapter, and one thing just leads to another, and this all just keeps building and building, and he creates his first game called Chainmail. Um, and eventually, he starts his own company called TSR, what does that stand for? Any idea? Tactical Studies Rules. Tactical Studies Rules. <laughs> That's a terrible name. <laughs> well, I mean, who are we to, to talk? We here at the Doom to Fail podcast are in no position to talk about naming. <laughs> so, this company. So, now he's got to get funded because it's not enough to just follow your dreams. Unlike what the fortune cookie told no. you. You need to be paid to do that yes. because, because... How else you will you food. buy your mansion? Yeah, exactly. Rocket cars don't grow on nope. trees, and even if they did, you'd still have to pay a gardener to plant the tree and, and take care of it. I mean, unless it. your dream is to grow and garden rocket car trees, then they do. Wait, wait, I need to totally readjust my dreams. That's my new dream, okay? How do I do it? Quick, let's make a business plan. I'm here for you, Tim. I'm here for you. Uh, we, we, we might be getting a little off track. So TSR is specifically created to make his dream game, which would later become D&D. Great. And in order to do that, they they raised uh, how much money exactly? $2,500. Just $2,500. Yeah. 
loosely speaking, twenty five hundred dollars in nineteen seventy three is about twelve thousand five hundred dollars currently. That's not very much money. I mean, still, it's it's not. Okay, and quickly released a thousand handmade boxes. Now these are handmade sets of books, which managed to sell out in the first year, which was pretty good. Um, and after a great deal of success and years and years and years, I think sometime in the eighties, he releases Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is much closer to the game that we know today. Um, and it's characterized by a much more intense attention to detail. Oh, like, instead of just being, you know, uh, well, he, the guy goes out with a sword and he plays with it or whatever. Doesn't sound good. He, it's, it's more like, you know, roll for success or whatever. There's lots of dice, all that. More of like, do you want to have skill in playing the loop? Because you could do that. That's no problem. Do you want to have a spell that's specifically to open doors because doors might be too heavy? You can have that. Wow. So, intense attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so eventually TSR is bought out by Wizards of the Coast in 97, and Wizards of the Coast is then bought out by Hasbro in 99. But all that business stuff isn't really Gygax's thing. He was always about the games and the games alone. Um, Good for him. That's what I say. (laughs) For example, during that time he created the three-dimensional chess game Dragon Chess. (laughs) Now... Did that game have anything to do with dragons, or did he just like the name? Nope. <laughs> nothing to do with dragons. Nope, nothing. <laughs> That's. I believe what? that like the pieces might have been dragon-themed, or the box had dragons on it, you know but that's about it. Don't tell me he wasn't business-oriented then, because that's a great marketing name and had nothing to do with the game. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. How about we take a quick break? Okay. I'm sick of talking okay. about it. Nah. No? Nah. You know what? Yeah? Huh? Man, that's like a name I hear bounced around, and I, I, I'm interested in, in Dungeons and Dragons, but I've never played, I've never gotten into it, and so you would think that I would not know who the heck this guy is. <laughs> Why do I know? Well, he has bounced around pop culture quite a bit. I mean, he was in an episode of Futurama. Um, yeah. Which I like. Uh, he Somebody actually got a tattoo of him in Futurama, and it's him rolling the dice, and it says, roll in peace. It's pretty cute. Um, and when he died, there was like a huge wave of comic writers because comic writers are nerds who, and I guess they're comic artists, comic artists and writers who, uh, made like sort of tribute comics. One of the best ones is XKCD. (laughs) 
And we'll, we'll have a link to that, I'm sure. Um, sure. That guy needs more press. We're going to help him <laughs> out. He also has a bust of himself, which is I think that's actually a really good life goal. If you don't have a lot of ideas about what you really want to do with your life, maybe just sort of orient yourself towards <laughs> getting a bust of yourself somewhere and just move in that direction. I mean, um... So he's got a bust of himself in I Geneva, I it wasn't his idea to have that bust made. Understood. But that's just one more piece of information that our listeners need to know if they're going to orient <laughs> themselves towards uh, a, a bustliness. <laughs> what? you. Okay. So when he died, there was a pretty poignant reaction in the press to his death. There were lots and lots of articles that came out. And that's probably what you're thinking of when you think, oh, Gary Gygax, that sounds familiar. Um, Yeah, of course. Why do you think that is? I think... I... I think a lot of it is... Okay, so Gary Gygax, something of a nerd hero, right? We talked about before how he's sort of uh, maybe an archetype of a sort of person. Um... Which, again, sounds extremely judgmental, but I, I don't mean it to be. I'm just a terrible person. So, or a robot. Boy, I come off better as a robot than a person. Huh. That, that cannot be a good sign. Now, that said, I think he's sort of a nerd hero for this reason. Because, you know, frankly, I like games. I like systems of rules. I like stories. You know, and I like despairing of these things. And I think a lot of other people do. And one of the things that all that sort of person has in common is that they are obsessive people. And so I think I think they would make a real effort to sort of celebrate this this hero of theirs when he died. And so now I think you and I probably pay attention to more um, more nerd press than other things. And so, of course, those were very effusive. You know, we talked about the HKCD right. comic. But I think it also leaked into the mainstream media Specifically because the nerd press was so right. effusive. This was such a big deal to them. I mean, that's that's my right. thought. Um, what do you think? I think you, you have something there. I think also there's something to be said for the nature of the game. Yeah, I want to introduce this next part with, with David. He has something to say. I want him to explain. David's oh, great. Like David. And he's going to explain how he actually got yeah. into D&D. I guess I had a friend in high school who I met in one of my classes. He had said that kind of he played D&D. And, I mean, I had heard about it before, and I always kind of thought, oh, it's a little bit nerdy. But um, another one of my friends kind of had some D&D books that I had a chance to look at, and I kind of thought, oh, this, you know, it kind of seems like it might be fun. And then when I found out this friend played D&D regularly... Um, and he actually invited me to go play with them once. So I said, no, it actually sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Catherine, that sounds exactly like one of those uh, my anti-drug PSAs if you just replace D&D with marijuana. Like, no kidding. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> so, the marijuana comparison aside... The public has a more personal relationship to Gygax than, say, Lonnie Johnson. Because with Gygax, it's because of Gygax that they have this character that they are emotionally attached to. Sure. Well, that's 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 the sort of thing where, I mean, people talk like the way David did, sounding like, <laughs> sounding like he's doing drugs or something, when 
you're very invested in it. Well, I mean, what he said was, it, well, I mean, the question posed or the way he answered or whatever was how I got into D&D, how I got, you know, it's, it's a personal identification. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot of personal identification and there's a lot of emotional investment. Right. And I don't, I don't um, personally identify as a super soaker user or a guy, I don't even own a Rubik's Cube, but as a guy who has fiddled with Rubik's Cubes, like these aren't, you know, this is why I don't, I don't care for uh this is why i'm not super invested in lonnie johnson or erno rubik mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um however i think uh a lot of what helps us to become so immersed in this world are the little details um sure the aging of the character yeah How good they are it's the both loop. the details and the breadth so david has a quote here that he's gonna give I guess what always kind of blew me away is, like, um, I read something that kind of said, like, what happens when your character gets older? So, like, for instance, as you kind of, there's, like, three levels of ages. There's, like, kind of adulthood, like, kind of a little bit older than adulthood, and then, like, senior. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's, they have ways to adjust your stats. Like, as you get older, you'll you adjust your stats slightly to, like, to become more knowledgeable, but less, like, agile. And I remember just kind of thinking, like, oh, my God goodness like that's they the, the idea that you'd be playing the game for so long that like you would need to worry about that mm -hmm. like it just, just kind of seems like bizarre like the idea of like being able to play the game like continuously through right like leveling up for a long period of time i think that's where i first was like this is a, this could be a big game Catherine, you didn't even say bless you to that guy either times he sneezed so big but, but but beyond that, yeah, I think that I mean, it's exactly what you said, and exactly what David said. It's 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 breadth and depth. It, it, there's such a investment required because it almost asks you, x asks you, because it almost asks you to live another life. I mean, granted, a, a smaller, simpler, more goal-oriented life, but yeah, and so you get into it. Yeah, and I mean, Julia almost thinks that it can be used as a tool. It's just insane to me how all of that is, like, written down. Like, it's all set. Like, if you want to be this kind of person, there's a framework for that. And if you want to be this kind of person with this one little change, there's already something written about that, too. And you can have, like, these these characteristics, these personality flaws, these, like, material possessions. Like, that's all kind of written out for you. And we haven't even gotten to the part where you actually play the game. I'm assuming there's, like, also scenarios that are given to you <laughs> and stuff like that. But I think that the character thing is so interesting because once you've got a good sense of, like, the character templates available to you, then you could sort of fit anybody or any, anybody fictional fictional or not into one of those templates, which means that you could play D&D &D but, like, Pride and Prejudice, or you could play D&D &D but, like, the NATO Summit. So you could do all, she thinks you could do all these, like, social experiments with it. Oh, you could do a d and Prisoner's Dilemma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like regular Prisoner's Dilemma, except that you are a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> they brought you in for dragoning, and if you rat out your fellow <laughs> dragon, then you can go free. <laughs> for dragoning? What is dragoning? <laughs> well, clearly dragoning ought to be illegal. You know, sort of flying around, shooting fireballs around the countryside, <laughs> burning thatch Fair huts. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And you had a dragoning partner. Yes, exactly, because you always do it in pairs for safety. <laughs> cool.
cool. We, Catherine, we have developed like five other lives I want to live over the course of this podcast. That's what D&D does to you. <laughs> That's why it's so powerful. I feel it. I feel what's happening. It's coursing through me. I mean, the, these are children's pursuits, right? I mean, I, I don't mean that in a in a way to look down on, on children, even though eh, children, but uh, the worst, right? <laughs> but, but the... But these are these are things that we call children's pursuits because they're just simple and fun and and not complicated by sort of the weights of uh, a jaded adult's life. Yes. Well, I think it's just a case of a guy who's so so passionate about what he does. Erno Rubik, passionate about spaces and design. Mm. That's what he was about. And baloney quotes. Lonnie <laughs> the Johnson, best quotes. passionate about tinkering. He just wanted to tinker. Now we have Gary Gygax, passionate about games. Period. Get gold, get treasure, princesses, castles. Oh. All possible in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> podcast for this week that was gary gygax the triple g triple threat pretty good i like it yeah nice where's the third oh guy gygax hey listen you should tune in next week maybe when we will be talking about Catherine. i just don't know what, what are you talking about you are the font of information in this in this duo. You have to look at the calendar. You really have to look at the calendar. We're talking, <laughs> but mostly it just has my cat's birthdays on it. <laughs> ah, Tim, you're delightful. Uh, We're talking you. about Las Vegas. Back to U.S. cities. Oh, that's exciting. You know we like I'm those really U.S. Excited. city ones. <laughs> I got into them. I'm yeah, surprised. There's, there's a lot going on there. And Las Vegas is especially cool because in our last uh, podcast, which you should definitely check out, the Washington, D.C. podcast is super cool. It's a masterpiece. We compared Washington, D.C. to Las Vegas. What's that you say? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, contraire. Please listen to both the D.C. podcast and the Las Vegas podcast, and you will know and possibly disagree. That said... I want to do a couple quick program notes. First of all, as always, if you'd like to email us, talk with us about anything, you know, pitch some ideas for, for a series, give us an email at doomedtofailpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook, iTunes, blah, 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 blah. Facebook, <laughs> Twitter at Doomed Podcasts, Google Plus, and of course, iTunes. And if you really like us, you can always leave us a review. They're so awesome and they seriously make our months. Oh, they're, they're, um, reviews are great, guys. Amazing. I think most people uh, listening to this podcast will have some idea of this, but if they don't, you should be familiar with the How to Do Everything podcast. Uh, if you're not, they are great. It's from the producers of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and it's like one of the best podcasts ever. And I was on it, which was cool. 
I I did a project that they suggested because we have this happy hour segment where we talk about alcohol, and so I made some gin, and uh, we chatted very briefly about it. But man, they were super cool. Um, had a great time talking to them on the phone, and yeah. so go check them out and uh, listen to me on that. And uh, Tim's I don't know. awesome. He's so cool, uh, and he's sure. the best yeah, co-host right. ever. Okay. And I really, really am happy that we're co-hosts. And I'm so happy uh, that he got on how to do everything. And it's really cool. All of this needs to be edited out because I just can't take can't take the compliment. Yay! <laughs> I'm editing this week. Um, shucks. Anyway, if uh, on the off chance you came over here from them, uh, hi, cool. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> uh, Stick and, around. Uh, It'll yeah. only get better. Exactly. Have a great week, guys. And we will see you next week on the Doom to Fail. Oh, I almost forgot. That's Catherine Cogut over there. And that's Tim Dobbs over here. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Next week on the Doom to Fail podcast. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Take me home, I'm feeling stressed. Put down your phone and I'll tell you what's happening next. Honey, you're passing the test. She sees what she wants to.